It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Cincinnati Bengals have perfect attendance for day one of mandatory minicamp, and Joe Burrow, no shocker here, wants to be the best in the world. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast, day one of mandatory minicamp in the books. This podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe on YouTube, anywhere you get your podcast. We'll have you covered for minicamp this week, and then throughout the offseason until training camp, you can make us your first listen easily by hitting those subscribe buttons, follow buttons, anywhere you get your podcast, and that'll just make it easier for you to know when we upload our content every day, hit the bell on YouTube for those notifications. And you can join the Everydayer club. Those of you that listen to us every day, a couple of my favorite clubs, uh, largely located in Cincinnati, but around the world full of Bengals fans, global audience, James. Today, we're going to dive into the biggest stories of day one of mandatory minicamp, James. And that starts with perfect attendance, namely where there is really the only question, mm-hmm. Jonah Williams. And as we said, Leading up to this day, we expected that he would be there. We expected that he would be ready to go and play right tackle and said all the right things, held court with the media at his locker. Remember, I said that was a possibility, a little bit interesting that he would he would talk to the media today, but I guess not shocking either. But good to see that he's back. And honestly, I, I think he said all the right things. He he kind of explained his side of the story, James, but I, I think he's motivated. No doubt. And it, it's it's funny because for months we've a, a lot a lot of people I think have heard our podcast or viewed it on YouTube and and you can just see the comments and maybe it's just a really loud minority. But there are people that think that Jonah Williams has it hasn't worked hard and question his work eth- work ethic and all of those things. And I asked Joe Burrow about it and he kind of made a face at me mm-hmm. and, and was about to own me, I, I think. And uh, and I said, well, outside the building. And and, and he backed Jonah. And I, I think the thing that stood out the most about what Jonah said, and we'll play a clip in just a second. The fact that the front office still hasn't had any communication with Jonah's camp still, mm-hmm. that's kind of wild to me. It is. And I, I think Jonah's agent, and I don't know who Jonah's agent is. And, and so I'm critical of players. I'll be critical of agents. I think his agent's an idiot for requesting a trade and going public with it as quickly as he did or she did. I don't know. I don't know his agent. Um, I, I think that was a bad business move. But I don't blame Jonah for being upset. Every single listener, every, everybody listening, watching that, that has consumed this podcast, both of us, we would all be super angry if we got demoted if we got replaced if if well we if if locked on comes to me tomorrow and says hey you're only doing monday wednesday friday and we're gonna have a tuesday thursday well guess what that's not gonna go well because i'm gonna be really really angry i'll spoiler 
hopefully they don't do that. But that's kind of what happened to Jonas. It's like, yeah, we're going to move you to right tackle. And he didn't see it coming and he was upset. And his agent sent, uh, communicated at least with the Bengals front office. And at least according to him, the front office didn't communicate back. So I get why he's upset there. That said, I, I think that he's consistently worked hard throughout his career, but certainly this offseason. And instead of me continuing to ramble on, let's hear from Jonah Williams. This is Jonah in the Bengals locker room on Tuesday afternoon. The way that I found out, the way the communication happened, because I'm sitting on my couch, you know, my fiance's 40 weeks pregnant. Her due date was in, I want to say like three days. And, um, you know, I'm rehabbing my knee and all that stuff. And, you know, I found out that we signed Orlando on my phone on Apple News. And I actually had a teammate text me before and he was like, hey, have the Bengals talk to you? And I was like, uh, no, I don't, you know, have a good one. You know, I didn't know what he meant. And so I, I found out on Apple News. And so then, you know, the following day, my agent was calling the front office trying to get a hold of someone and you know we just <laughs> i know uh so and he just never got a hold of anyone and no one no one responded to us and i just didn't know what was going on and i just wanted to to hear it from them and you know the the frustrating thing is that i still haven't heard anything back we had a request to trade via text and that's just like you know i felt that i've started 47 games 38 37 straight um and I felt that if it were communicated, hey, you know, we, we have the opportunity to sign this guy and we like him, you know, we want you to bump over and play right tackle, I would have, you know, I would, it, it sucks. Like, it's, it would be hard to hear, but I think in a couple of days I would have been like, okay, let's go, let's do it. And I just never, never got that, you know. So it was never left tackle, right tackle. I know a lot of people made it out to be that. It wasn't that, you know. It's There's 64 tackle spots in the league. To have any of them is a, is a crazy, amazing opportunity. I'm super grateful, you know, for the chance. Um, so, you know plan is to blame me at right tackle I'm, I'm fired up to do it let's go like i'm i'm working my knee i think i'm gonna be cleared soon uh, i feel great moving around and um so that that was never the issue i know that's kind of how it was made out to be and it was never like a personal thing i love all my teammates love all my coaches love the team city fans like the last couple years have just been amazing you know for me personally and for and for the city and we've really felt that i'm back now mandatory mini cam i'm gonna be back day one of training cam before day one of training cam 100 percent ready to grind ready to roll and you know ready to play where the team needs me a few things stand out there and and one of them is when he's talking about the team, his teammates, his relationship with the fans, with the city, the last few years for him, he also said in the same locker room interview session that he wanted to be a Bengal for his entire life. That was one of his goals. And this move was one of the first things that kind of made his first entire career, I should say, one of the first things that made him realize that might not happen, which I'm sure was very jarring for him if that was a goal of his. So, we're only getting his side of the story here, right? But if the front office had reached out and contacted him, it would be a really weird thing for him to say they hadn't. Sure. Right? So Agreed. I think that that's probably true. It's probably a little bit weird for him, for, for them to just not get any response. And what he's saying he wanted isn't crazy. And I understand from both sides, right? From the front office perspective, how often are they talking to players about their plans? I know that, you know, Mike Brown's yeah. out there talking to Joe Mixon on the practice field. And maybe if Jonah Williams was there in OTAs, he would have talked to Mike Brown on the cart. 
so mm-hmm. talking about talking with somebody in the front office. Maybe if he was there, he would have had that opportunity. But at the same time, what he's asking for, you know, he, he said how he thinks he would have handled it, which is, you know, would have been hard for him, but then he would have been ready to go. And he just didn't get that piece of communication, which from a human perspective is pretty easy to understand, right? Yeah, I think a couple of things. One, I, and this is where I'll defend the, the front office. I don't think they thought they were getting Orlando Brown Jr. I think it was such a super random shocking thing where the Locked on Bengals guys recorded a podcast at 10 and right. by 10.30, uh, you know, you had the date, the the famous date that Locked on Bengals listeners are aware of. And uh, yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was one of those things where we were doing in an emergency pod. And so sometimes it's so fluid that you can't do it. But mm-hmm. after the fact, when Orlando Brown Jr. is is all over at, at one point Sports Center, right? And he's being introduced as a Bengal. At some point, can you just make the call like, hey, Joe, we want you to play right tackle because we've been this close to a Super Bowl. And if you play right tackle, guess what? We think we're going to have our best offensive line, not only of the Joe Burrow era, but since 2015. And I bet after, like he said, a little bit, and, and this is what happened. I think he is fired up today. I mm. watched him go through different drills and stuff. And we can talk about that aspect too, not just the the behind the scenes, what actually happened on the field. But I, I don't blame the front office because those things are so fluid and you just want to get it done in the moment. And so that's hard. That's hard for coaches. They're not handling that part of it. The front office has to get the deal done first before you're going to go rustle feathers with a guy that's been, uh, you know, started 37 straight games, like he said, and all of those things that he's done for this team in this community. Going to be interesting. I, I think that he looks good in the bits that I saw shared on social media and the bit of work that he's done. Obviously, he shared some of his own video from his own workouts as well. Mm-hmm. He's very confident, as you heard, in being cleared well ahead of training camp. Doesn't sound like he's going to have any issues coming in there. Even talked about, you know, his approach every day is, is one of a competition anyway, even though this year maybe he's in more of a direct competition. Although he seems very, very confident. I think that he's going to win that job, I think rightfully so. And, and we'll see how that plays out. But again, to me, he, he shared his side of the story and outside of that said all the right things. He's going to work his butt off. He talked about he's motivated because if he plays well, it's good for him. It's good for the Bengals. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He's going to work his expletive, his butt off. Right. He, he said that numerous times. And that's the kind of guy he is, as Joe Burrow said, James. And that's what we should expect from him. Yeah, let's uh, let's push Joe Burrow back. I know Joe Burrow gets the high high uh, the headlines. We'll talk about him, but let's discuss some of that on field stuff a bit more, and and not just Jonah, but let's start with Jonah because I I do think it's interesting, and uh, so we will go there coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and yes, the NBA finals are over, but that doesn't mean depending on when you're listening that you can't listen to, well, or get in rather to the Ellie De La Cruz train right here in Cincinnati. And I know a lot of, Joe Burrow was asked about De La Cruz and uh, he's maybe one of these emerging superstars in Major League Baseball. And so if you want to wager on Major League Baseball, maybe you want to get in on some NFL futures action, MMA, UFC, anything in between, FanDuel, is the spot to go. And the best part is you're going to get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 in bonus bets back to new customers 
All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get that no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's talk about what happened during the relatively short practice at Paul Brown Stadium. Not Paul it was about Brown, 90 minutes. Paycor Stadium. Right. Sorry, the short practice is Thursday. 90-minute practice inside the facility was was what I was getting at. It was ah, gotcha. in the stadium, not on the practice fields, not in the indoor practice facility. And we got to see Chidobe Abouzier working out on the side. Mm-hmm. We got to see LC, Lel Collins, and Jonah Williams working out on the side. And that was, I think, big for, for two of those guys. We haven't seen Jonah all year, and, and it was a big step for Cheeto and LC has been kind of in that program, but yeah, let's talk about how they looked. Cause from what I saw, uh, Cheeto and, and Jonah were going through some change of direction stuff, some, some more high paced movement work on the side, some more football looking work on the side, football related movement. And I thought they looked pretty good. And, and I'll post, I have a bunch of clips that I just haven't gone through yet. It, they'll be up by the time you hear this at allbangles.com. I I was impressed with, and I'll get the Cheeto, but let's start with Jonah. You're right. The change of direction, pivoting, stopping, starting. Uh, it, basically, some of the side-to-side stuff was like he was taking pass sets and in, in doing that and, and trying to get out to the edge to block Miles Garrett and block you know, some of these higher end guys, like that's, that's what he was doing. And he was doing it consistently. And and he joked that he was ready to play free safety too, if they needed him yeah. to, since he was working out with Cheeto. And I think he looked like he was in good shape, not extra winded, nothing like that. So ready to go. The knee moved well, he was pivoting, stopping, starting all of those things, not fully cleared. So that's why we didn't see him line up. And we talked about that, that that was a possibility going into Tuesday. But I, I think just given what the past few months have been with this Jonah Williams topic, Tuesday went about as well as you could ask because he said the right things. He clearly wants to play right tackle and is hungry to do so. And he he knows how valuable it is to the team. And, and he literally said, I'm up with my newborn, which I can relate to. And, and I'm working on pass sets on the right side, essentially. I'm working on sets on the right side and doing the yeah. technique stuff. And, uh, and I, I didn't see any of that on the right side. He only did some of these agility drills and different things like that, but he moved really, really well. And that's, that's the box that you wanted to see because you want him fully healthy going into this competition. And you're right. He did. I don't think he brushed off the competition, but I think he knows much like we've said here a bunch of times on locked on Bengals that he is the favorite and that he has to handle his business. And if he does that, he will be the starter, and he should be. 
He should be the starter if he handles his business and shows up and does exactly what the, the organization expects him to do. That doesn't mean hand it to him. But if he does what they expect him to do, he's going to be uh, w- probably the best right tackle they've had in a while. Maybe there's an Andre Smith year in there mm-hmm. going way back. But even Lyle last year, as much as I like LC, he was up and down. Yeah, I think that if he is the best tackle, he'll have taken care of business and he'll win the job. I, I do think that the best player, whoever's playing the best at the position, should win the job. I just think sure. it's probably Jonah Williams right now. We haven't seen enough from LC, right? We don't know what his health is going to be like. He was unhealthy for most of the year last year, played through it, gutted through it. Um, Jonah, similar story. So we'll, we'll see what comes out of that. I also thought he looked like he was in good shape. Even like from some of his training videos, was seeing him back down there today. He looks bigger, and and maybe that's just training camp stuff. But beside LC, who's pretty big, I, I thought Jonah looked just as big, uh, you know, side by side from from some of what I saw down there. So, um, you know, you hope that he's ready to hit the ground running. Sounds like he's going to be able to hit the ground running, taking sets at right tackle. Like you said, he said he's been doing it every day, really since he found out about it and he was able to do so. And and the, the note about him waking up with this newborn, being up with this newborn and taking sets at right tackle reminds me a little bit of uh, Kevin Zeitler, just always wow. taking pass sets. His, his wife just posting. It, it's just funny to me. Like you, you see these, these offensive linemen wives sometimes talking about their, offensive linemen husbands and they're just always taking pass sets and Zeitler's yeah. one in particular who like his wife would post like Kevin's taking pass sets on vacation again you know <laughs> that sort of thing that that kind of made me think of that yeah I uh I, I will say just you, you said you're obviously talking about married couples and I was thinking all oh, relationships him and Frank Jonah and Frank had really good it seemed like really good talk I obviously couldn't hear it but they were talking during the the walkthrough portion for probably 20 minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. for a decent amount of time and there were starters coming in and out and, and, and all of those things, but yeah, he was talking with them. So I think, uh, I think Jonah, that this was a step in the right direction for the Bengals and fans should be happy. Another step in the right direction was Cheeto, as you mentioned. And he looks, he looks like Cheeto to me. Now yeah. we're not seeing him do it against receivers. Mm-hmm. But I, I watched him, and I oh I forget which coach it was. I need to check the video. But there was a coach throwing to T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. And Cheetah was doing his agility drills in clips. And, of course, I didn't get this clip. I, I wasn't recording. But he uh, I, one of the receivers threw it back to the coach, and Cheeto jumped up, and like it was like, like Dan Hord's clip of T. Higgins a few weeks ago. It was like that where he jumped up, extended, batted the ball away, and landed. And, and the guys were like, man, you should have caught that. And he was like, I should have caught that. But he looks like Cheeto. He was cutting and planning and, and doing all of those things. So I've said my expectation is for him to be good week one. It's a lot to ask for a cornerback, but I feel really good watching him. No brace, by the way, doing these things. I feel mm-hmm. really good about Cheeto. Yeah, the no brace bit is interesting, isn't it? Just the, the, it's the uncomfortable. First... Yeah. And, and I, I guess, that. you know, when, when you know there's no contact, but 
Like the first day he's back, because he talked about it, right? The first day he's back doing football-like movements, football-like rehab exercises with the, with the cutting and, and breaking and doing it on a football field. There was a football involved. You know, people are throwing passes around. He's, he's going through that part of the drill where he's catching a pass at the end of it. That uh, seems like a big step for him. And he looked, I agree, he looked like him. He looked very, very good. And that's very exciting for a team that has added depth at corner. Cam Taylor Britt going into his second year. If they if they're four or five deep at corner because they really like Alan George, it sounds like so far, and and what he's showing as far as depth, and that'll be an interesting talking point when we get to training camp. Alan George, Sidney Jones, etc. Uh, that that's a, a very exciting development for the secondary. Are you saying jo- uh, there Cheeto? Excuse me, we're talking so much about Jonah. Are you saying Cheeto is in fact him? I mean, yes. Yeah. No, the answer is I mean, yes. How, I was how just many hymns are there? You got Joe Burrow, you got Jamar, you got Cheeto, you got DJ. How many hymns are on the, this the max is one per position, right? Because there's a hymn at every spot in the league. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is. I, I, dude, I, I think Cheeto is – I'm more and more impressed every time I see him. I don't think he knows how I feel about him, but I think he is so darn good. And I'm I'm trying to be PG here since we bleeped out, but but the mm-hmm. the, the yeah. other word that Jonah said. So yeah, I think uh, I think the Bengals secondary certainly looked good, and uh, we can have more thoughts on the secondary. But let's get to him, the real him, the only him. I think that uh, people are worried about here because it is locked on Burrow. I mean, Bengals. We'll get the Joe Burrow coming up next. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Joe Burrow also had his mini camp presser on Tuesday, meeting with the media on the podium. Not at his locker like Jonah Williams did, but this is probably the last We'll hear from Joe Burrow until training camp. And the most interesting thing, we talked about what he had to say about Jonah Williams and the fact that, you know, this team is going to welcome back their guys after business is taken care of. There's no questions about Jonah's work ethic, all those things. But the most interesting thing was, you know, he's asked about his personal goals for the year. And obviously he said the goal is to be on top. And Mm -hmm. and that goes for the team as well. And he was later asked to clarify Personally, what does that mean for you, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow quarterback? And he said to be the best in the world, yep. which is something we've assumed about Joe Burrow for a long time. That competitive drive is there, that Tom Brady mindset, as it were, where they are competitive in every aspect, not just in-game, off the field, all those things. And he articulated it today for – I think the first time I, I don't remember him saying it so bluntly before he didn't, he hasn't. And he said, Patrick Mahomes was, was the best in the world. And, and that it really didn't hesitate that it was Pat, 
but this is the mindset that he needs to have. And and honestly, you can't be, they go hand in hand. And I think that's the beauty of it. Joe Burrow, he could throw for literally 7,500 yards and 75 touchdowns this year. But if you don't beat Patrick Mahomes and win the Super Bowl, no one, well, some people here, but no one's going to to crown you best in the world. And so I, th- I think it goes hand in hand. He's going to have to have the best statistical year and be in that MVP conversation, maybe even win it, but then also get the final the the, the final job out of the way, which is is bringing a Lombardi to Cincinnati. And if he does that, I certainly think it can be a conversation, a real conversation. So th- there is a chance at that. I think it is a realistic goal. And and the one thing that stood out, there, there were a couple of things, but the thing to me that I was most interested in is Joe admitting that this team has more urgency, not, not more hunger, more drive, motivation, all of those things they've had, but there's more urgency among the guys to get it done this year. And that makes sense with guys like Jonah who are likely going to play elsewhere in 2024, Tyler Boyd, who else, who knows? Chidobe Awuzie is obviously in a contract year. DJ reader. There's a lot of guys. And so I get it. There's urgency that, you know, they were this young upstart team in 21, 22. It was like, okay, can we do it again? Well, now it's like, all right, it's, it's time to get it done. So I, I love that they have that mindset. Yeah. There's that wherewithal that there are all of those contract years. You didn't even mention the coordinators who every year it feels like one of those or both of those coordinators, offensive, defensive coordinator, even Darren Simmons is, is a highly respected assistant around the league who has been in head coaching talks in the past. All of those guys mm-hmm. at any point in time could join that departure list. And, and so you've got that continuity this year where the changes of the starting lineup are relatively minor. you got a new left tackle. you got new safeties. You have some depth pieces that have been added into the mix as rotational pieces, but the urgency does make sense. He also mentioned that they're, he feels like they're further along this year, just another year in the same system, that you know the, the familiarities continue to grow. There's The continuity aspect of it seemed like it made him feel more confident in where they were this year compared to last year. So that could just be, you know, you say those things right to, mm-hmm. to some degree like there's going to be some lip service this time of year this is best shape of my life season to 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 kind of quote an, an aphorism aphorism is that it's a trite saying is is what i mean aphorism might not be the right word anyway point is you hope that all that's true and and they just get to training camp at this point ready to go because that seems to also be the goal for a lot of these veterans at this point, because Burroughs said, you know, the biggest benefit to this part of the offseason is getting the guys together in the locker room, especially mm-hmm. the new guys, but, you know, building that chemistry and those sorts of things off the field. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a big part of it is is just getting, getting Nick Scott and Dax Hill and Tyson Anderson up and running together as a unit with Jordan Battle, like just to look at one example Having Jonah Williams, who, by the way, did uh, talk about Orlando Brown Jr. and vice versa, mm-hmm. and they it's not like they're going to hate each other. They like each other. It's business. that That's completely separate. And I do think it, you can separate the two things because the team aspect, and it goes hand in hand. Team does well, right? Joe Burrow throws for a lot of touchdowns, and Jonah Williams keeps him upright. Everyone's going to be happy. 
in in the team is probably going to win. So I think Jonah knows that. I, I think the team knows that. In in this camaraderie, the culture, all of those things, it's it's wild to see because I was there long before it was like this, and it's uh, it's much much different. Something like this Jonah thing would have derailed other teams. Jesse Bates last year would have derailed other teams or, or certainly set them back multiple steps. And Jonah showed up today and it just kind of felt like he was always there and the guys were accepting and I, I haven't heard one bad thing about him. Right. And and the same thing goes for, you know, we've talked a lot about Joe Mixon. I haven't heard one bad thing uh, from teammates about Joe Mixon. They're just a really, really tight group. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's, that's why there is that urgency because they know they're special and they have a shot to get it done. That's right. Any other standouts from the the practice itself? Any Brad Robbins notes for me, James? Oh man, nothing specific. But I got to be honest, I, I was I was locked on man bun Jonah. Yeah. I, I was looking at Cheeto, seeing how he was doing. Lael was working directly with Nick Cosgray. He is obviously a step behind those guys, but he was working out, so that's certainly a step in the right direction. I, I, uh, no, I mean, nothing too crazy. It was perfect weather though. Like if there was, you, you really couldn't ask for better weather for, uh, for the day. So that, that bode well for me and, and, and the guys that were actually practicing, but certainly me, which I, I'm in the me business when it comes to weather. That's right. And just some, some things that are maybe obvious, uh, or, or that I noticed in clips that I saw Jackson Carmen, of course, continues to line up with sure. the first team at right tackle. That is expected. There is no other right tackle eligible to start, I would say, currently healthy on this roster. But you shared a picture of the Bengals' defensive line, and it was mm-hmm. the second team in there at one point. And I don't think Miles Murphy was with them unless he was at left defensive tackle in that picture, but I think that was uh, Zach Carter. And at left end was was Cam Sample at right end was Joseph Osai and and just a minor note there because one it's only one picture and mm-hmm. so it's not like it's a huge sample size or anything like that but uh Osai continuing to work on the on the right side where Trey Hendrickson lines up and it sample. was Zach Carter it was Carter Tupo Osai yeah. yep okay just I to be just to be clear I, I can zoom in on mine so yeah uh, I thought it was Carter there and um sample still working on the left side so I wonder I, I guess did you notice Miles Murphy working on one side or another when when you weren't watching the guys rehabbing? I did not. I'll, okay. I'll be honest with you. I didn't much. Um, you have two more days of minicamp. That, that was walk. That was walk through too. So they were there were a lot of guys rotating. Right. So it's it's tough to to know for sure. But yeah, they were rotating, and I, I don't know the exact rotations either because you're like first team defensive line was on the side, first yeah. team offensive line was in. So right. keeping us on our toes. Yeah, I think it's just interesting to watch. You know, those are the little things that I love to watch in minicamp and training camp is is some of those rotational things. They don't necessarily mean anything, but it can give you some clues about how guys are going to get used because one of my hopes and the reason that the Osai thing is particularly interesting to me was that Osai would get a little bit more run with Trey Hendrickson on the field, which would mean you would hope that my personal hope was to see him working a little bit more on the left side as well Mm. and maybe that's still part of the plan right like i said one picture very very small sample size very early in the off season here we're not to training camp yet but that's something that i think i'll probably be watching around training camp which is why that particular photo stood out to me yeah i think there's going to be a lot of little things like that that we're looking at this year because they're just 
there's not many huge position battles. And so all of the little things, I mean, there's things with Burrow. We're going to have a lot to discuss on our next show because there's a lot we didn't get to here that, uh, that I already have Burrow, the things he wanted to improve on. Mm -hmm. He he kind of acknowledged some of those. And so that's, that's one of the many things we'll hit on on Thursday. Yeah. Not nearly enough Joe Burrow content, right guys? What are we doing? Locked on Burrow podcast, my foot. We're not even close today. We're like locked on Bengals. Uh, Bengals? Locked on yeah. Jonah. Weird. Locked on Cheeto. Flaming hot Cheetos. We'll my be favorite. back to have you covered. My favorite, by the way, just so you know. Flaming hot? Oh, yeah. We, we've talked about this, right? How I like the jalapeno and you like the Oh, yeah. Meat. Yeah, that's right. You are. Yeah. The jalapeno are fine, but my God. I mean, people are allowed to have opinions, I think. Flaming hot. The goat. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Bengals have a couple more days of minicamp, and we'll have you covered right here on Locked On Bengals. Thanks for listening to this episode, and until next time, hootay, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.